Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. Today is June 28th, 2022, and this is Ben and Barry on football. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Ben Dickerson, your co-host. And then there were two. The Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles are the only two undefeated teams left. Three and up. You know what I have early on, Ben, that I don't normally have early on? What is that? An intriguing game of the week. Already? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I, I actually do. And I, I'll mention what it is. I haven't written the blog yet on it, but um, it's it's the game that intrigues me personally. You know what I mean? And that's what that's all about. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of football this past weekend, and I'm realizing I watched so much football, I have to start to make notes because <laughs> if not, I'll have all of these thoughts. Usually, you and I are in the same room watching a game and arguing this stuff out as it goes. But now I have to argue with myself because a lot of times you're not, <laughs> you're not around. So I'll just say the stuff to my computer. Like, so, okay, um, Tua. Tua's hurt, right? What can Teddy Bridgewater do with all the speed down in Miami? Seems like he's a good replacement for Tua. Neither one does a lot of running or for kind of pocket guys. I think they're very similar, okay? Um, we, we, we're going to talk a little bit later about the, the, the uh, Tom Brady-Gronkowski relationship and how much one's very dependent on the other. Uh, found some information on, on that. Did you know Lamar Jackson had the most quarterback hits since 2018? It's amazing. He, he don't look like he's taken that many. Um, Garoppolo has only played one full season out of his eight in the NFL and four full seasons with the Niners. One full season out of his eight. <laughs> That's basically uh, his, what you call, it. I've been playing with the Niners. It's just things you can't do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that, that offense really going to have to come back to him. They had, they had redesigned it. It was ready to, to ramp that thing up like like a, a speed demon, but now they got to ramp that thing down a little bit um, and, and work at Garoppolo style now. So we're going to see how that's going to work out. Um, so, and I saw the Titans in the goal line and the shotgun with Derrick Henry back there. And I'm thinking, that might work. <laughs> we'll talk about all that kind of stuff a little bit later. Right now, you ready for the rankings? Sure, why not? Let's kick off the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings. As usual, we're going to start with one through eight. Across the board, you'll see in red, A-N-P. That stands for average net points. APF average point four. APA average points against. And our friend, A-T-O-D, A-Todd, a turnover differential. Ah, yes. Number one, even though they lost, their Philly was so strong, they held on to the number one spot, Buffalo Bills. Number two, Jacksonville, with a 15.3 average net points. Now, Ben, week three is the end of the second preseason. So when you start, we're looking back now, that was this was the, the second preseason's numbers as they've come in. 
And this is when I, we expect some some teams that maybe, you know, weren't quite synchronized, you know, when they first came out the gate, might begin to get more synchronized. We'll have to see. Number three, Philadelphia. Average net points of 12. Number four, Tampa Bay, eight. Five, Kansas City at 7.7. These are all plus numbers again. Net points like turnover differential can be positive and negative and will be both at any one point in time. Baltimore, 7.3. Average net points per game. These are all plus. That means they're averaging 7.3 points more than all of their competition. Buffalo is averaging 17.7. That's just so big. That's just so big. I mean, um, yeah, Buffalo. Baltimore, 7.3. Miami, 6.3. I guess the surprise for me is Cleveland. Cleveland's hanging around there, you know, plus 4.3 in average net points. So just on that first eight net points, you got any thoughts? Uh, well, um, like you said, Buffalo built a pretty big lead. So even though they lost the game, uh, they're still able to hold on to their number one spot. Uh, I will say this about the, um, so-called second preseason as we've known it, or as we've named it, the first three weeks of the regular season being the second preseason because the preseason is now so short um i would say that what we're seeing more than teams that maybe didn't start off on track right away and are beginning to get on track is teams that started out really hot and especially teams that we expected to be good that started out really hot and then sort of kind of had some bad losses, some striking losses, some losses to teams that we didn't expect them to lose to. Uh, I don't know if we can attribute that to the opponent that ended up beating them finally catching their stride or the team that we thought was the stronger. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to try to piece it together as we go game by game and team by team. Okay. I hear something scratching. Oh, I think I did that. I'm sorry. Well, All right. So average net points is the combination of points for and points against. That's offense and defense as we look at it because it all comes down to points. Let's look at points for, average points for First place, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, right there, that tells you something about the Baltimore defense, doesn't it? They're in first place offensively, but net point-wise, they're in sixth place. So something's going on there. Detroit, 31.7 points per game. Now, a lot of those points <laughs> per game, they put up against Philadelphia <laughs> in that first game. But Detroit can score, man. Again, scoring in every game, nobody's really held them down. You know, Swift is has been an amazing running back if you can keep him healthy. You know, but he's just he is an amazing running back, man. Gee, Christmas. Buffalo would have, you know, 
30.3 points per game. Kansas City, 29.3. You know, I always think 28 points is, is the magic number. You know, if you can average 28 points per game, you can win a Super Bowl as far as I was concerned. Kansas City, 29.3. Philadelphia, 28.7. Cleveland, 28.3. Jacksonville, 28. And Miami, 27.7. So my, Miami's all up in there, you know what I mean, in the top eight in scoring. Um, Baltimore, obviously. I, I, I'm looking at the first three games, and I'm wondering, okay, the running by some of the quarterbacks that I'm seeing, is that because they're not quite in sync yet? And so that is the, 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 the easiest route out, and it's you know works, especially if you're Lamar, once you get a step on everybody. It's ridiculous that he can just outrun an entire team, but he can. Um, but that's, you know, when things break down, things aren't quite synchronized. It's nice to have that option. Things are going to start to sync up now. Tampa Bay, average points against is in first place. In fourth place um, in net points. So they, and I don't see them in the average points four. So that means they're just somewhere below eighth place in scoring. Um, but I hear they got some people coming back. We'll talk about that when they um, when we talk about the upcoming games. Denver, 12 points per game. I think we always kind of said Denver had a good defense. Um, okay, you know, San Fran, 12.3. You know, you, you champion the San Fran defense. I'm still questioning you know, how strong we are. Jacksonville, 12.7, tied with Buffalo. There's our neighborhood. That's a heck of a neighborhood. Niners, Jacksonville, Buffalo, all in that 12 range, just giving up just under 13 points a game. Green Bay at 15 points per game that they're giving up. Philly at 16.7 points per game. And again, that, that Lions game, they gave up a lot of points. Their defense played a lot better, gave up a lot less points in the games, you know, after that. Um, so their average uh, points against was, was improved. And then Dallas, right behind Philadelphia, right behind them, 17.3 points per game that they're giving up. Um, I'll run through Todd, and then, you know, you can give me a quick over on those three uh, um, categories points for points against and turnover differential number one and turnover differential jacksonville 2.3 plus 2.3 turnover differential per game that means they're taking the ball away 2.3 times more than what they're giving it away you can keep that up you can win games you know Baltimore behind, right behind them at 1.7, Tampa Bay 1.3, tied with Philly at 1.3. Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh just snuck all up in the top eight somewhere, Ben. Look at that. I ain't seen Pittsburgh name nowhere else. There they are. Fifth place with plus one. Miami, Cleveland, and Houston at all at 0.7, just under one for sixth, seventh, and eighth place. All right, there you go. There's your top eight in the four main categories. Well, it's no wonder that Jacksonville is as highly ranked in the net points as they are, seeing as how they're playing really good defense. 
only giving up 12.7 points per game. And they're putting points on the board. They're in that nice little neighborhood, 28 points per game. Didn't you say a team that scores 28 points per game should be able to win a Super Bowl? I think that that's that's the magic number. It's wow. The Jacksonville Jaguars. How about them? How about those guys? So they're top eight points for, top eight points against, and number one in turnover differential, which is even more that can be said about the improvement on this team. The fact that Trevor Lawrence is not giving the ball away. He's being careful with the ball. They're not fumbling it. And the defense is much improved. I believe they're close to leading the league in interceptions, too. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they are. So that says a lot about Jacksonville. Baltimore also, as much as they depend on um, Lamar offensively, which obviously you can see they're number one in points four. So Lamar is really getting it done through the air and on the ground, by the way. Um, defensively, Baltimore isn't really holding their own like we would expect them to. Uh, I think they've got some troubles in their secondary, but if they can pick that up, they'll move up in the, uh, in the uh, average net points. Right there, right now they're sitting number six in net points. So that offense is really strong. That's how strong it is. It's kind of carrying a weak defense along with it. Now, in points against, I don't know why you're surprised at the Niners' defense. They're only giving up two touchdowns per game on average, which is pretty doggone good, obviously, because nobody's giving up less than that except Tampa Bay. So if only one team can give up uh, less than that, I'd say they're in pretty good company. All righty. Um. You mentioned INTs. Jag Jacksonville Jaguars are tied with the Baltimore Ravens at six. Versus there second go. place there for INT. So and where's and where is Baltimore in turnover differential? And differential? Where's yeah. Baltimore? Yeah. Baltimore is second. Okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So right now, um, right now, Lamar is playing, you know, video game <laughs> level ball. He's amazing. He's amazing. You know. Um, okay. Let's go to the next group. And this is the group that, you know, we did find, I did find out, was it last week that um, the Rams were outside of the top eight when uh, they, you know, the, last year when they won the Super Bowl. I can't say too much about them guys. All right, let me see if I can find this here. Why can't you? <laughs> it's only week four. It's only week four. That's right. All right. So nine through 16 rounds out the top half. You start to see a hint of the negative numbers creeping down to 16 with Atlanta at 0 0.3 on the negative side. 
On the positive side, 15, Detroit, 14, 13, and 12 tied at net points, average net points of plus one. That's Minnesota, Green Bay, and Carolina. That's head above water there, barely. Denver at 2.3, Cincinnati at three, plus three, and San Francisco at plus 3.3. So there's your, your, your second half of your average net points. That's the differential by which these teams have been winning or losing. Average points for, you see, in ninth place, Atlanta. So Atlanta's putting up 26.7 points per game, Benny. Vegas and Cincinnati at 21.3. Washington at 21. Carolina, Arizona at 20.7. Rams at 20.3. And Chargers at 19.3. So. Ah, yes. I see some interesting uh, matchups coming along that we're going to talk about a, a little bit later on there. Uh, you know, the Niners play the Rams. What's that, Monday night or something like that? I think it's Sunday night. Okay, Sunday night. Yeah, man. Uh, points against ninth place, Cincinnati Bengals. No, that is Monday night, actually. They're tied with 10th place Minnesota, so they've actually tied Chicago 19 points per game is what they're giving up. Houston, Carolina, and the Giants, 19.7 points per game. Indianapolis, 20.3, and Miami, 21.3. So they go with Miami. The defense going to have to pick it up a little bit. Turnover differential. Ninth place, Arizona at 0.7, tied with Buffalo at 0.7. 11th and 12 are also tied at 0.3. That's Chicago and Denver. The bottom half is rounded out with Dallas, Detroit, Carolina, and the L.A. Chargers. Breaking even at zero, rounding out places 13 through 16. So Dallas, Detroit, Carolina, and the Chargers at zero at the end of the uh, second preseason. Broke even. What do you think, Benny? I'm a little surprised at Dallas. Uh, their defense actually is playing pretty well as a whole, but turnovers uh, breaking even. I thought maybe they'd be a little bit on the plus side. Um, it's obviously something that Buffalo could do a little bit better to uh, enhance their standing overall if they could get more turnovers uh, i think they had some troubles just this past weekend as a matter of fact uh teams like cincinnati and minnesota are kind of hanging around the midpoint and points against but i believe both those teams will be playing better defense in the weeks to come whereas teams like atlanta and vegas in the points four categories are at nine and 10. I expect them to actually to drop a little bit. I'm just saying it's the attrition of the season. Right now, I'm happy that they're scoring. Whether they win games or not, obviously the Vegas Raiders are 0-3, which is not a good thing. But they are putting some points on the board. 21.3 is nothing to sneeze at, but I don't know if they can even sustain that if they can't stop anybody, eventually that's going to wear on them and take them down. Um, 
I Same saw, plan. I saw an interesting uh, video just real quick. Um, Adams, you know, now there, Devontae Adams. Yeah. And they were somewhat saying, is he purposely not looking at Devontae? Because let me show you this play. Devontae's open. Let me show you this play. He's open. Let me show you this. He was open. And he's like not even looking in that direction. He's like. I saw that show and I saw those plays that the guy was mapping out. I think, it was, you think? Dan, it was Dan Orlovsky. And what validated it <clears throat> is with his knowledge of professional football, having been a quarterback in the NFL, not necessarily a really good one, but let's face it, he did play in the NFL. Okay. Um, during his explanation, he said that you could obviously see that the plays they had set up, Raiders, was giving them what they wanted from the defense that that the opposing team gave them. And he was open, and he didn't throw it to him. So to me, that means that for some strange reason, Derek Carr is trying to spread the ball around. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to say. I'm not going to put a concept. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know something that I, I don't know. So I, the only thing I can think of is he's attempting to spread the ball around. And if, in fact, that's the case, I can understand why, why Devontae Adams is, is upset because when he was in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers had other weapons, he still consistently went to Devontae almost exclusively to the point where, which is why I always had Devontae ranked as one of my best wide receivers because everybody knew he was going to get the ball. They double him, they bracket him, and Aaron Rodgers would still get it to him. Two reasons. Number one, because Devontae Adams is great. And number two, because Aaron Rodgers can get any ball to anybody anywhere. So, you know, if Derek Carr can't do that, I don't know what to say about Derek Carr, but like you said, the plays he showed, the guy was open. <laughs> I, I have no clue. I'm lost on that. Well, okay. All right. So I got you off track. I'm sorry. But we talked about Vegas putting up 21.3 points per game tied with Cincinnati. Um, oh, what I was going to say was uh, number nine is not too bad for San Francisco to be right now. Uh, obviously, um, they're not scoring enough points. I'm going to attribute that again to uh, Garoppolo kind of getting thrown into the fire. You know, part of training camp, he was rehabbing his shoulder. The end of training camp, he wasn't getting any number one team snaps in practice. He wasn't even allowed to attend practice. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the end of training camp after they signed him. Oh, okay. Once, once they signed him to that uh, restructured contract and he was able to practice, he didn't get any snaps with the number one team. Right. They were, it was right. full goal with Lance. Right. So when Lance got hurt, he came in totally cold. Okay. So he still got a little rust to knock off. He's got a little rust to knock off. And I, and again, I don't think Shanahan's helping him. And, you know, I'm looking for some different things. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but Okay. 9 through 16. Ready to move on? Sure. 
17 through 24. All right. Now is where, you, ladies and germs, you can begin to see some negative numbers. Rank 17, your Giants are in 17th place in two categories. They're net <clears throat> points at net minus one, and they're also part of the break-even crew and turnover differential, which would include the Rams and Minnesota, all at even zero, rounding out 17 through 19 in turnover differential. Back to net points, you have the Giants and Chicago. Isn't that who you guys play? This weekend, up? yeah. All right. Dallas at minus two. The Rams at minus three. Houston minus 3.3. Pittsburgh minus four. Las Vegas 4.3. And New Orleans minus 5.3. Seven. These are net points. That's the differential by which the they're, they're scoring versus the other team. So the Giants are scoring one point less <laughs> than the other team on average over the last three games. Points four. Let's see what the scoring looks like. You got Minnesota at 17. The Giants right behind them at 18.7 points per game at 18. Pittsburgh Steelers at 19th at 18 points per game. Chicago and the Jets tied at 17.3 points per game for 20th and 21st place. The Saints, Tennessee Titans, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers all scoring an average of 17 points, rounding out 22nd through 24th place. So there's your scoring, uh, you know, and, and probably – Seeing Tampa Bay down there like that really kind of says something. We'll talk about them again later on. I hear they got some people coming back. Points against right there at the 17 point is your favorite whipping team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Right behind them is the Steelers at 22 points per game. Chiefs are 21.7, uh, I meant, should have said. The Saints at 19th place giving up 22.7 points per game. The Rams, 23.3. Seattle, 23.3 at 20th and 21st. Same division. Patriots giving up 23.7 at 22nd place. Cleveland, 24 points a game at 23rd place. And the Raiders giving up 25.7 points per game. So there you go with the problem with the Raiders right there. That's how you get a minus 4.3 net points for sure. Lastly, turnover differential. I think we talked about that already. 17 to 24. Giants through Atlanta. There you go. Well, I mean, points against Kansas City, 21.7. It's not very good, is it? That's better than half the league. Well, that's the defense that I said, told you wasn't very good. Going better than the Rams. <laughs> well, guess what? That's And that's not saying a whole heck of a lot about the Rams either. Oh. Uh, the Rams aren't scoring well either. Okay. Who? The Rams aren't scoring well either. <laughs> Minus so, no. again, Dang. Super Bowl champs could be a little hangover. It's still early in the season. Lost we'll a big-time man on the front line. Retired. That's true. That's that's one guy. 
<laughs> I mean, they won, won the Super Bowl. They got to play better than that. You can't give up 23.3 points per game and think you're going to win the division unless the division all of a sudden gets weaker than it was, which at this point right now, when you think about it, it actually is. It looks like a two-horse <laughs> race to say that. <laughs> it looks like a two-horse race to me. And I, I'd say that's between the Rams and the 49ers. And the 49ers right now have the edge. So if that's a game that's coming up this weekend, you already know where I'm leaning. Okay. Um, <laughs> we talk about the Giants being right at the midpoint in turnovers. I say that's a plus for the team like for a team like the Giants. And the fact that they're scoring 18.7 points a game which is more than New Orleans, Tennessee, and Tampa Bay, to name a few. Uh, I'd say that's pretty good for the Giants, too. I don't know if they'll be able to hang in there, but I'm rooting for them. Another one of those quarterbacks that took a lot of hit was Daniel Jones. He's up there with the top three to five numbers of uh, three to five um, quarterbacks as far as taking hits is concerned. All right, you ready for the – for the bottom group, that bottom 25th percentile. Come on, you guys. What are y'all doing down there? Okay, Benny. So let's run down the last quarter of the uh, the teams here. Let's look at net points. That would be 25 through 32, I believe. Uh, 25, we have Washington at minus 6.3 net points. 26, New England at minus 7, 26 or 27th actually tied with New England is the Indianapolis Colts at minus 7. Uh, 28 is the Seattle Seahawks, minus 7.7. Arizona at minus 8.3, rounds out the 29th place. The Chargers, minus 8.7. The Jets, minus 9.7. And Tennessee in 32nd place at minus 11 net points per game. So there you have that group there, 25 through 32. Scoring-wise, 25 is the, uh, the Patriots at 16.7 points per game, followed by Houston, 16.3, Green Bay, 16. San Fran, 15.7. Seattle, 15.7. Dallas, 15.3. Denver, 14.3. And uh, Indianapolis, 13.3. So that's your offense. That's your average points per game. Um, so there you go right there on the, uh, the group. So your Colts coming in at last place. In terms of your defense... At 25th place, you have Baltimore giving up 25.7 points per game, followed by Atlanta and the Jets, 27 points per game. Washington, 27.3. Tennessee and the Chargers, 28. Arizona, 29. And Detroit, 31 points per game. So, and again, Detroit, we know they had that big run with the Eagles, gave up a ton of points, lost that game. But they were all up in the 30s there. And again, you know, Detroit is at the top in scoring and at the bottom in giving up points. That's why we look at net points, right, Benny? Correct. They say you can 
if you can own a million dollars in assets, but if you owe a million and one dollars in debts, yeah, bro. <laughs> you're still broke. Finally, turnover margin. All right, so we have, let's see here. Uh, rounding out the bottom, Atlanta and Green Bay tied at points, minus 0.7. Vegas, Tennessee, Indianapolis at minus one. Washington, minus 1.3, along with the Jets and New England at minus 1.3. And New Orleans, there's Jameis at 32nd place at minus two turnover turnovers per game, average turnover differential per game. So there you go. That rounds out the bottom uh, quarter of the teams. And we'll go from here, unless you have much more to say. Mm -hmm. No, sir. It's bias plus time. All right, Benny, let's kick off Thursday night football. I hope you got your uh, your Amazon Fire Stick warmed up. Because uh, that's what you got. That's what you got to have now to watch Thursday night football prime video. Now we have prime. Who don't? Miami Dolphins at Cincinnati Bengals. Bias plus score 3.7 favors the Miami Dolphins. Hey, Dolphins got the bias, huh? Let me just jot this down. Got some interesting matchups this week. Dolphins have the bias. Okay, so what about the Dolphins? Well, 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 the Dolphins defeated the so-called best team in the NFL. At least the team I thought that was the best team in the NFL, the team that most people on television believe was the best team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. But the Dolphins beat them 21-19 with basically a great, swarming, really good tackling defense that made timely stops and kept the Bills out of the end zone in the second half. Crazy as it sounds, that's exactly what that defense did. They looked to be better than I thought they were, obviously. And they're actually, they actually look better than they've shown on the rankings. As we just saw, they were ranked pretty low in um, average points against. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they got the job done against the Bills in the second half and held them off and won the game. So they go and play the Bengals this week. And the Bengals were able to somehow handle the Jets <laughs> after I really said the Bengals are in a lot of trouble and I still think they are, but they were able to handle the jets and their shabby offensive line only gave up two sacks. I don't know if that's an improvement on their line or if that's just a, a bad note about the jets pass. Rush. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, poor Joe Burrow is going to have to play really, really well for the rest of the season, probably unless they make some changes behind the line that can't seem to pass block or run block with any consistency. So at this point, I'm going to say that the Bengals are still in trouble and I'm going to pick the Dolphins in this game. So I'll go along with the bias. There you go. I got you. Duly noted. Vikings at Saints. Bias plus score 9.4 favors the Vikings. Okay. Minnesota Vikings, kind of an up and down team. Uh, I've been trying to leave Kirk Cousins alone because I know every time I talk bad about him, he comes through. Every time I praise him, he lays a dud. But uh, after having their offense completely shut down by Philadelphia in week two, 
the Vikings made a concerted effort to actually get more guys involved for whenever their starters have problems. Uh, this was another tough day for Justin Jefferson, but Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne stepped up for Kirk Cousins in the passing game, and Alexander Madison, who we know is a really good back um, that doesn't get much time because he's playing behind Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook went out with a shoulder injury, and Alexander Madison came in and he scored a touchdown. So that's exactly what the Vikings have been looking for, other guys to step up when their stars have problems. Meanwhile, for the Saints, Jameis Winston uh, started the season with high expectations, but they've not come close to what was expected. The offensive playmakers, supposed to be Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave. Uh, but the only one that's really come through consistently is Olave, and he's a rookie. So I don't know what else to say. Uh, Thomas got a little dinged up. Uh, Kamara started off slow, had a bad fumble. But um, he eventually finished with, I think, 60, 70 some yards on the ground. I don't know if Thomas is going to be able to play this week, but I think he's been practicing in a limited capacity. So I will expect him to play again this week. Uh, the Saints defense was supposed to be top notch this year, but they gave up 26 points to the Falcons so they can forget about being called top notch by me. You give up 26 points to the Falcons. Although the Falcons have been scoring, I, I got to give it to them. <clears throat> but right. um, they did give up 26 points to the Falcons in week one, and they were in way over their heads against the Buccaneers in week two. And now this past weekend, they let the Panthers control the game and run the ball down their throats. And uh, that doesn't say much for the Saints defense. So obviously I got to go with the Vikings on this one. Going with – Ben, I uh, didn't say it earlier, but the bias plus has been under 40% for the most part through the first three games. That, that you know, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up, but now I have to I have to be very honest. You know, people that are watching this and watching this segment, I hope you haven't been betting any money on my picks. I've been horrendous. Last week was my worst week since probably we started doing this, I was three and 12, bro. It was sad. It was ugly. <laughs> it was really, really ugly. That's why I said this, this, this second preseason thing that we talk about, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to make of it. Some teams are beginning to pick up this stride. Some teams that seem like they were off and running have stumbled mightily. It's it's really it's really tough to call these games, but there it is. There I'm embarrassed. Go. There you go. Well, in any event, you're going with the bias in this case, and going with your man Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. Had a nice crossing pattern to win the game last week. That looked like a well designed play because that man was wide open. <laughs> he was wide open. Browns at Falcons. Bias plus score of six favors the Browns. Mm-hmm. Browns mm -hmm. at the bias. Brissett, right, at quarterback? Jacoby Brissett's been playing well. Uh, the Browns were able to avoid another near second-half meltdown like the one they had against the Jets, and they were able to hold off the Steelers in the fourth quarter, which I kind of expected. I think I did pick the Browns to win this game. Uh, Jacoby Brissett had a solid game. Nick Chubb bullied the Pittsburgh defense. He had 113 yards and a touchdown 
on 23 carries, which is what I expect the Browns to try to continue to do game after game after game. Get Chubb 20-plus carries. Get um, Kareem Hunt 10-plus uh, uh, touches, either from the backfield or catching the ball, and they should be just fine for Deshaun Watson when he gets back. Um, that's that's the Browns' plan. I mean, let's face it. Uh, after battling but losing a close game to the Rams in week two, the Falcons did, in fact, beat Seattle with a very balanced attack. Uh, Marcus Mariota threw the ball well and uh, did most of his damage in the first half. And then in the second half, they turned it over to the running game. Corderell Patterson had a career high, 141 yards. Really? And he racked up, yeah, and he racked up 107 of those 141 yards in the second half to salt away that game. Nice job by the Falcons. Forget the four-minute uh, drive, uh, four-minute drill. They they had what a, a eight-minute drill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they 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 really ruled the day. The problem is, I don't think the Falcons' defense is going to be able to hold off the Browns' run game. So I'm going to go with the Browns in this one. I think they go into Atlanta and beat the Falcons. Am I going with the bias again? Yes, I am. Ah. I'm not trying to. That's just the way I see it. A division, NFC East at the Cowboys. Bias plus score 5.6 favors the Cowboys. Right, as it should. Ah, yes. Cooper, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Somebody said that the – the owner, Cowboy owners, wants to see Cooper play against the Rams. He wants to see what he got. <laughs> That's right around the time when Dak might be able to come back, or a week after that, or something like that. Okay, let's let's try our best not to listen too intently to Jerry Jones. Okay, <laughs> this is a guy that's susceptible to saying anything <laughs> after a loss or after a big win. It doesn't matter. He he's his middle name is Hyperbole. Okay. This guy's crazy. He's talking about could there be a, a, a quarterback controversy? What owner asks for a quarterback controversy? Really? What GM does that? And he's both for the Cowboys. Try not to listen to this guy. Uh, the Cowboys had, I'm sorry, the Commanders had to pull out all the stops and mount a furious comeback against Detroit in week two. Only they ended up losing that game anyway. Then they come in, play a division rival, the Eagles, and they get stomped out in week three. So that's where the commanders are right now. Carson Wentz is battered and bruised. Would they sack him like nine times or something? It was something crazy. It was, it was, it was a crazy number. They had their way with the poor guy. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are 2-0 with Cooper Rush at the helm, and they eked out a win over the Giants. Yes, they eked out a win <laughs> over the Giants. Let's not get it twisted, Dallas fans. Cooper Rush is playing way better than y'all thought he was. He was, And they are 2-0 since he's been playing. Okay, But you eked out a win versus my team, the Giants. And it wasn't pretty at all. But I will say this much with the eked out thing. Had Lamb caught that ball that he dropped across the middle, it would have been a little bit more than an eat going on because he was – Well, they would have scored earlier. That was early in the game. Huh? 
That was early in the game. I know, man, but that would have been a big hit right there, boy. Eh. Big hit. So they score quicker, then they kick off. Maybe that changes the game. Scoring always changes the game. But Bias Plus score 5.6 favors the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I got to go with the Cowboys. You know what would be ironic with this whole Jerry Jones uh, quarterback controversy thing? Because, you know, I posted that um, Cooper Rush makes approximately less than 1% of what Dak Prescott makes. The differential is ridiculous. Prescott's making approximately 40 mil per year. They're playing Cooper Rush like 800,000. <laughs> If, if, if you could get anywhere near Dak's production, they'd be shipping Dak right the heck out of there. <laughs> That'll never happen. Ah, okay. But uh, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. Let's see how he does against the commander. Is um, What's the young man on the commander's defensive line? Chase Young. I haven't heard anything lately about Chase Young. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to come back anytime soon. He's a difference maker, man. I'm telling you. Oh, absolutely. He's a difference. Absolutely. But they're going to need more than that. First of all, they have to keep, uh, they got to keep uh, Wentz on his feet. <laughs> Wentz, I posted, I said, well, he just turned into Wentz. Because somebody on, I think it was the big swagoo said he was just waiting for Carson Wentz to turn into Carson Wentz. Absolutely. <laughs> and he did. Some of those sacks, it's like, I'm thinking, you're sacking yourself, man. You, you could have threw the ball away like three seconds ago or something. And he just like goes down in a big 6-5 heat. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. All right. You're going with the bias, going with the Cowboys, going with Cooper Rush. Right. Seahawks said Lions, minus plus score 8.7 favors. The Lions, they know how to put up some points. 8.7? That's a nice little hefty number there. Yes, that's what I have here. Now, of course, yeah. we're all scared of my numbers at this point, but uh <laughs> well, I mean, I'll go with that. The Lions, like we I've been I've been talking about the Lions being able to uh put up points. Their problem is stopping the other team, but putting up points hasn't been a problem for them. Um, but let's talk about the Seahawks first. They're going to be the visitors. And Geno Smith uh, played actually pretty well against Atlanta last weekend. He won a respectful 32 of 44 for 325 yards, and he threw two touchdown passes. But the Seahawks never established their running game and couldn't find the end zone in the second half. That was their downfall. Uh, nor could their defense defend the run and hold off the Falcons' second-half comeback, led by Corderell Patterson, who we just talked about. Uh, once again, the new-look Lions put points on the board, seem to have control of the game going into the fourth quarter. But once again, the defense failed to stand up when it needed to, allowing the Vikings to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Yes, the Lions had the Vikings by the short hairs, and could not hang on and let the Vikings pull out a win on them. And that would have been a big-time signature win for the Lions if they had been able to pull it out. Division win, in fact. 
Seattle is minus 7.7 net points per game. Detroit was plus 0.7. Okay. So not including the uh, turnover differential, which I think went in the Lions' favor. Um, you can, that's why you have such a big differential there. But, again, the, the Lions are barely positive, but they are positive. And Seattle really has had some issues. So Okay, so this is kind of a tough one to call. So I'm going to look at this one as the Lions continue to put up the points. I don't see why they'll stop, especially against the Seahawks defense. And they're at home and have the crowd behind them. I'm going to take the Lions to win this one. All right. All right. Going down the tube with the <laughs> – Listen, I'm going down the tube. Going down the tube with the fire. Come on, man. Your, your choice of words is not good, bro. Going down the tubes. Tides at Colts. Bicycle score four. Ooh. You know who that reminds me of? Was it Tyrese? Four years old. I still had that picture. Out <laughs> on the fire escape. It was <laughs> the Colts. What's up with the Titans? Come on, man. You lose A.J. Brown, you, you, and you're like, oh, my goodness. You might as well have lost Devontae Adams. You might as well have lost Gronkowski. Wait, oh. so the Colts have the bias? Psh, the Titans are struggling, man. Oh, wait. Oh, let's see. Let's see. I got here. Last place in net points at minus 11. Well, actually, after getting clobbered by Buffalo in week two, the Titans bounced back pretty nicely last week against the Raiders. Offensively, they couldn't have been more balanced. This is what I love. This is what I love, a balanced offensive attack. They passed the ball and ran the ball both 27 times exactly. They got Derrick Henry 25 total touches. That's a winning formula for the Titans. Okay, but hey, you want to talk about bounce backs after getting handled by Jacksonville in week two, the Colts rallied the troops, stayed focused and took advantage of a mistake prone Chiefs team, a team whose defense I'm on record as not respecting and the Colts were able to pull out the victory. This is a really tough one to call here, but I'm going to go. Ooh, geez, I was about to say. Ooh. Yeah, this is tougher than I thought. <laughs> you all right there? <laughs> Let me say this much. Uh, Tennessee, I got to think about this one. Tennessee scoring-wise is 22nd, tied with New Orleans and Tampa Bay at 17 points per game. Okay. Okay, so that's, cool. so that's what they're, they're putting up right now. Where's Indianapolis at in this? Situation scoring wise, I don't think they're much better. Oh, snap. They must be doing a lot better on defense because Indianapolis is in last place in scoring at 13.3 points per game. Wow. So the difference has to be made up on the defensive side. Indianapolis is 15th. They're only giving up 20 points a game. Mm. So, uh, whereas the Tennessee Titans are 29th, giving up 28 points per game. 
Jeez. Usually in a situation like this, I'll go with the team that's at home. And I think I'm going to do that again. So not only are they at home, but they beat the doggone Chiefs. I'm taking the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts in this one. All right. Go on with the I think bias. they figured out a way to slow down Derrick Henry somehow, some way, and they pull out the win. And they got that humongous uh, defensive tackle that they got from my Niners right there in the middle. So these guys ain't scared of Derrick Henry. And again, apparently the the the, the methodology for Derrick Henry is to get past to get in that backfield and get your hands on this leg before he gets going. <laughs> that seemed to have worked, I think, for the Bills. Somebody I saw playing that guy. Bears at uh oh, Giants. Zero point four bias plus score favors your Giants over the Bears, Benny. As it should. Point four. As it should. Uh, I'll tell you this. I still feel like the Bears coaching staff is uh, feeling funny about taking the training wheels off of Justin Fields, man. They, this guy, he barely gets off 20 passes a game. Uh, but a lot of the blame fell on him this past weekend. He threw two bad picks. And he put the ball on the ground twice against Houston. Did he? Wow, four turnovers. Yeah, yeah that's 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 four personal turnovers. That's not good. Uh, luckily, Khalil Herbert came in after David Montgomery got hurt and gave the offense a spark, and they were able to um, put the Texans away. Now, as far as my Giants are concerned, after a delightful 2-0 start, my Giants welcomed Dallas into MetLife Stadium. And they seem to have several chances to win the game. Unfortunately, Daniel Jones, who at this point is probably feeling like a lame duck starter, as he should, they didn't renew his his fifth year option. And there's a big quarterback draft coming up in 2023. So he's got to be feeling a little shaky. But there's nothing he can really do about it because he has literally nobody to throw the ball to. High-priced free agent wide receiver Kenny Galladay can't get open. And when he does, he can't hold on to the ball. Second-year guy, Kadarius Toney, is injured. He's got a hamstring. He may or may not play this week. Rookie Wondell Robinson also has a hamstring. Not sure what his status is going to be. And number one receiver, Sterling Shepard, after having an injury-marred career, tears his ACL running down the field with nobody near him. We're going to talk about that um... – when we hit our social media, Benny, that whole question about uh, turf and uh, your boy Beckham even weighed in on that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Well, that's been a controversy ever since it was invented, <laughs> you know, but yeah, we'll talk about it. So yeah, the Giants have problems, but I think the Bears problems are worse. So take the Giants. Go on with the bias again. Yes, sir. Going with the bias again. Ding, 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 ding. Going with the bias every game so far. Huh? I said I've gone with the bias every game so far. Well, this is my intriguing game of the week. This one coming up? Jaguars at Eagles. Bias plus score 4.3. Now, this is what's crazy, Benny. 
The bias plus score 4.3 favors the Jaguars. However, the Eagles are six and a half point favorites in Vegas. <laughs> okay, so sounds like Vegas knows something that uh, the net point power rankings don't know. Could be. Well, the net uh, point actually, power rankings know something that Vegas don't know. Actually, I would say Vegas probably does know what the power rankings know because the power rankings are, are based on the numbers and not opinion or conjecture. So, go. yes, Vegas does know what the power rankings know. Now, it what else Vegas knows? <laughs> yeah, what else Vegas knows, I'm not sure about. But uh, I'll say this for the Jaguars. They scored 22 points in week one. They shut out the Colts 24-0 in week two. They destroyed the Chargers last weekend 38-10. to I am tempted. I am very much tempted to say the Jaguars are for real. Dougie P brings the Cats into his old stomping grounds at the link, so we'll find out this week. Yeah, they play the Birds. The Birds went down to D.C., took a whole ton of people down there with them. I heard they had 20 busloads full of Eagle fans went down to D.C. 20, actually, it was 20-plus busloads, not to mention the people that drove down there. They took over the doggone stadium. They wreaked havoc on the commanders to the tune of 24 points in one quarter. Here's the problem. They scored all 24 points in the second quarter. It was all the points they scored, and it was the second game in a row that they went scoreless in the second half. And third out of three games that they went scoreless in the fourth quarter. Hmm. Very interesting. I pointed that out um, that, uh, you know, they had gone two games without scoring in the second half. And I remember talking to our friend Mark. Next thing I know, Mark's posting that stuff on Facebook. <laughs> so he's listening. He's listening. Um, so bottom line, bias plus score 4.3. See, the bias plus is, is what it is. The calculations are what they are. And it favors the Jaguars right now. And they tell me the Jaguars are the better team by how much? What was the bias plus? 4.3. 4.3? That's enough for me, baby. I'm taking the Jaguars. Going with the Jaguars. Yeah, I've seen funnier things happen than a home team that's humming along, losing. Okay? I'm going with the Jaguars. I listened to a podcast, um, and a large part of what they talked about relative to the Jaguars were all of the changes in the coaching staff and the coaching staff that Doug Peterson brought along with him. Yes. And how much that's making a difference. Absolutely. The thing that we do know about the Jaguars, even though we might not be super familiar with all the names, you might be a little more than me, is that they've been losing long enough that they've been racking up top draft choices. They had draft, top draft choices sprinkled all through that place. And this is the Trevor Lawrence chance to really show that this is a new Jaguars team. Doug Peterson comes in having some idea about what's going on in Philadelphia with his background there. 
and you got an ascendant quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who people are talking about being the MVP. You know, and, and the question that's going to come up is can the Jaguars handle that Eagle defensive line? That and guess up? what? Guess what? The Jaguars are probably the best defense the Eagles have seen so far. That might be true, too. Well, that's been a question about how much is going, how much people are, are, are fawning over the Eagles. It's like, okay, you guys beat Carson Wentz. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You beat golf, you know, in the shootout. Um, so there's a question in terms of the quality of the uh, competition. Jaguars, like you said, they not only beat the Chargers, they beat up the Chargers. Yes. So um, this is, looks like a real juicy game right here. You're going with the Jaguars. Yep. I'm making it my intriguing game of the week. Ah, I'm pulling together all of the uh, – all my little information that I can get together with these guys. All right. Jets at Steelers. Bias plus score eight favors the Steelers. And I've heard yeah. you already say, Benny, that uh, it's pretty much a done deal. They're going to have Pickens in there, Pickett in there at quarterback. He's coming soon. Coming to a Steeler team near you. Who's saying that? Because uh, Mike Tomlin's not saying that. No, Mike Tom. Well, Mike Tomlin's not going to tell you anything. You know, he's military. He's military with his with his information. Well, he is saying something though. He's saying we're confident in Mitchell Trubisky. He's our quarterback, and we're gonna we're gonna go with him. Okay, all right. And, and, well, and I'll tell you what. Whispers and, and, you're, and you're going by the coach. I can understand. It makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, it's true. He is militaristic. He is old school, okay? They don't make knee-jerk reactions or make knee-jerk decisions in Pittsburgh. This is the guy who they feel like won the job. He's the veteran guy. We're going to try to ride him and fix everything around him and give him the best opportunities to lead the team to victory. I have no problem with that. I believe that somewhere along the line, and maybe a few weeks down the line, they're going to have to make a change. But what's really distressing me about the Steelers is their defense. But let me talk about the Jets first. I think um, I think we're done with Joe Flacco. <laughs> I think the Joe Flacco thing is over. Two reasons. Number one, Zach Wilson's supposed to come back this week anyway. Number two, he just threw 52 passes in a game. That's crazy. His arm's probably going to fall off. So let's get ready for Zach Wilson to come back. Not that that's going to change the Jets' fortunes. Uh, this actually looks like a get-right game for Pittsburgh. Uh, Mr. Trubisky continues to struggle, and the run game can't seem to get going. Defensively, things are different without T.J. Watt. I didn't think they would be, but they actually are. And now Minka Fitzpatrick is in concussion protocol. So that's a problem for the Steelers. But guess what? They're at home. Minka will probably pass concussion protocol, and they'll be fine defensively to stop Zach Wilson, who hasn't really shown me anything since he came into the league. Take the Steelers. Going with the Steelers. Steelers going with the Steelers, yeah, yeah. Um, Trubisky was talking about, you know, I'm, well, I got to get the ball further down the field, and you know, 
It's like he's playing conservative or something like that. I don't know. Well, now, that that may be the plays that they're calling for him. But that's because they don't trust him to, to, to be. He's not a gunslinger. This guy's not a gunslinger. He makes too many mistakes. He has to be a game manager. That's the only way you're going to get the most out of him. There you go. Bills at Ravens. Now, you know, this was this was a runner-up for an intriguing game here. Mm, yeah. I suppose scored 9.4 favorites to Bills. Lamar can't get no respect from, <laughs> from the bias plus. But you've got two of the, the two of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league in this game at the same time. The Bills had played last week, from what I understand, the number of their starters, six, seven, eight of their starters on defense were not there um, when they when yeah. they lost that game. And they'll be lucky if they get a couple of them back this week. Lamar right now, well, okay, we're going to see. The, 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 the second preseason is over. Is Lamar going to continue to run? You know, is, is he going to play that game? He did slide one time last week. I did see him slide. I was like, okay, Lamar, go ahead, man. You know, protect that body. Better do that. Nine point four favorites the Bills, Benny, and I know you. That's your your AFC favorites. Who you yeah, got? They they they're my AFC favorites. So I'm going to try to stick with them. Uh, somehow they just couldn't find the end zone in the second half against the Miami defense that I didn't think was that good. Uh, the real deal is the Dolphins' defense was able to shut the Bills down twice in the final minutes. So in crunch time, not only did the Bill did the Dolphins play really well, but the Bills looked a little bit shaky about what it was that they were trying to do. I don't want to give all the credit to the Dolphins' defense. Josh Allen and them didn't just didn't look right. Now I'll tell you this: during the course of the game. Uh, Josh Allen engineered several long drives, but what happened was, and this is this is a real this is a real thing. That Miami Heat early in the season is a killer. They had guys going out with cramps and and a kind of heat exhaustion all during the game. I know I know uh, Stefan Diggs was in and out of the lineup quite a bit. Uh, some linemen kind of dropped to a knee and had to come off get oxygen get hydrated. I'm sure they had IVs all over the place at halftime. So that had a lot to do with it. Uh, but at the end see, of the you game. You didn't see that from the Dolphins that much. Well, they live there. I know. I was just saying that, that acclimation is a major thing. It is a major you know, thing. that you didn't, that one team really is passing out on the sideline. The other team. Hey, if if you like, remember when New, England, when New England played the Dolphins, they went down there early trying to get acclimated. I think they went down like on a Wednesday or something. Didn't help them, but <laughs> I'm just saying the heat is a real thing. That heat the is heat a real is, thing. And it's my, it, this ain't Northern Florida. This is Miami. Right. <laughs> I was telling Crystal, we were talking about the, the hurricane coming. I was saying one of the nice things when I was at Florida A&M, Tallahassee is kind of inland, not exactly on the coast. Yeah. So we didn't really get a lot of the big stormy storms, you know. Isn't that um, on the panhandle? Well, it's kind of, but it's not near the coast, you know. Yeah, right. So, you know. Um, kind of in the middle of the panhandle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, that's so, 
So, you know, it, 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 I didn't have to go through that when I was down there. Um, I loved it down there. And again, being Northern Florida, it, the heat wasn't as intense all the time. You know what I mean? It was a right. bit of a difference. Bit of a difference. All right. You so, with- so, so what actually happened with the Bills here is something, is the one thing that I dreaded about the Bills, and I will continue to dread and could, in fact, be their downfall if there is one for them, and that's their lack of a legitimate running game. I really thought after the way they used uh, Singletary at the end of last season that they would actually ramp up their run game, but they seem to really be depending on on Jer- uh, on Josh Allen's running and him throwing the ball. He is not Lamar Jackson, okay? He's a great quarterback, no doubt about it. The two of them are compared quite often, okay? But Josh Allen can't carry one team's running game and continue to throw the ball well. In fact, the lack of the running game caused Allen to throw the ball a ridiculous 63 times. 63 times? He threw 63 passes in that game. Did he really? Yes, and he was only able to connect on two of them for touchdowns and he got sacked four times and he took some bad hits. That was a rough game for him. So again, I don't want to give all the credit to the Dolphins defense, but I have to give them some. Those guys were really determined to win that game. Uh, You already mentioned uh, a lot of the defensive players that are dinged up on the Buffalo defense. So we'll have to keep that in mind. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson looked like he's on track for his second MVP season. This guy's not only running the ball so well that he's by far the Ravens' leading rusher, but he's actually tied for fourth place in rushing in the entire league. Let that I think he has more yards rushing than some teams. <laughs> yes. Yes. But take and, this out, Benny. Take this out. Somebody was said, they said, Lamar's not a system quarterback. He is the system. That's interesting. And, you know, I think that the Ravens are kind of scared of that. When one man is the system, that's, you know, that's putting all your eggs in one basket. Now, that's a heck of a basket, but that basket goes down, everything goes. So that's just, it's just interesting that 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 was said. Um, But okay, I'm sorry. Bills at Ravens, bias per score favorites, the Bills, and you have the? Well, I'm I'm not done. Oh, go. Sorry. (laughs) Not only is he doing all that work on the ground, but he's throwing the ball better than he has at any point in his career. Yes. He stung the Patriots for three touchdowns through the air and one on the ground. And that gave him a total of 12 touchdowns so far this season. And there's a bunch of teams in the league that don't have 12 touchdowns. He's accounted for 12 touchdowns by himself. So not only has he outrushed whole teams, but he has outscored whole teams. Okay. If this guy stays healthy and continues to play the way that he's playing, the Ravens are going to wish they had paid him. And if in fact, they don't pay him, then they're going to have to let him go for somebody else to pay him. 
I mean, if they, if they, is if, anybody else going to accommodate him the way the Ravens have? Or is he? Well, able I mean, to, it's, it's, it's that's a good question to ask. System. That's a good question to ask. But when a guy's putting up numbers like this, somebody's got to give it a thought. Did you, you pick give them for the thought. Super Bowl? Excuse me? Did you pick them for the Super Bowl? Did I or would I? Did you? No, I you, didn't. You, you, picked your, you picked your contestants, but not the winner, right? That's correct. And I did not pick the Ravens, no. All right. So, so, so what are you saying? If they don't win the Super Bowl, then they're going to, they're going to franchise, they're going to tag him anyway. They might tag him twice. This is our modern day Kirk Cousins. This is, this is their best chance to do anything. He's still on kind of cheap for them right now. So it's almost, like a, a, it's almost like a win or bust year for the Ravens. He's making 23 mil a year right now. Right. I mean, this is a this is the time to, to make that move. If they tag him, they're gonna have to pay him at least 40. If they tag him again, there's no telling what they're gonna have to pay. <laughs> they might as well sign him now to a multi-year. They just don't want to guarantee the money. I think there that's you the go. That's the big sticking point. They don't want to guarantee the money. I, I, they and said, I believe that's a mistake. I'm telling you. They said the owner said it out loud. He don't want to guarantee that much. Okay, then let him go then. Trade him. I ain't letting him go right now. He plays for the Ravens. He's going to be right there playing for the Ravens. This is okay, so when the season's over, don't tag him. Let him go free agent. Yeah, that's what you say. No, 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 no. I'm saying if, if, if you're the owner – and you don't want to give him a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson's, then let him go. Because guess what? He ain't going to sign for nothing less. He's not going to do it. Well, like you said, they're going to franchise tag him. Isn't that what you said? They'll probably tag him if they don't want to pay him. Well, if they haven't learned their lesson happen. yet. You know that's well, what's going to happen. No, I don't know that's what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay, you may think that's what's going to happen. I may think that's what's going to happen, but that's not necessarily what's going to happen. <laughs> Once he finishes this season, if his numbers continue on the pace that they're on, they might pay him. They might give him the money, fully guaranteed. They might do it. But he's not going to negotiate during the season, so if they might no. have to be after the season. That's what I said. So, so if, they're going to they're going to have. If he puts up super duper numbers and doesn't win the Super Bowl, you think they'll still pay him, right? Is that what there is a possibility that they will pay him? Yes, and continue to try to build around him and try to win the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, well, that's what they're finding is that uh, when you when you pay them like that, it really hampers your ability to build around them. Okay, well, if if you feel that way, then let him go. No, you can't do both. You can franchise him. Franchise for what? Him. For what? So you keep him. You to keep let him keep getting. Man, so he keeps getting MVPs. That gives him not give, winning Super Bowl. That opens up your window for a Super Bowl with him to another two to three years. But how are you going to pay him? How are you going to tag him? How you how are you going to put the players around him? If they tag him, they got to pay him forty million. 
If they don't tag them, they're gonna have to pay them a hundred million. <laughs> no, they're not. That's so ridiculous. They have to guarantee them to be guarantee of fifty. <laughs> okay, so you guarantee him fifty now because if you tag him twice, you're gonna have to pay him sixty. And if you don't guarantee it, he's out of there. Well, there you go. All right. In any event, next up, oh, I'm sorry. You have the. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't pick a winner, did I? Ah, uh, <laughs> Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens. I'm going against the bias. I think you just talked yourself into all, all of that Lamar love. No, 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 actually, actually, it just took me a minute to spit it out after saying all that other stuff. The Bills are hurting on defense. Bills are hurting on defense. That's 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 not going to be good. And they're going to go into against a raucous crowd in Baltimore and Lamar's on fire. Forget about it. I'm taking All right. There you go. That's there you go. (laughs) Going against the bias on this one. Yeah. First time. First time. Judges. At Texans Ugh. and the Texans, bias plus score six point one favors Davis Mills and the Texans. Are you serious? Wait, you're joking. That's what I got. The Texans have the bias the Tex- over the Chargers. Well, you got to remember, Benny. The Chargers are in thirtieth place in net points. They're minus 8.7. Houston's at least minus 3.3. So, yeah, they have the bias. And what is it? It's tiny. 6.1. Oh, that's not tiny. That's tiny, but they're both, yeah. I mean, they're both in the negative. It's just that the charges are that much more negative. All right. Well, I tell you what, I, this, this is an easy one for me. The big question here is what happened to charges offensive lines ability to run block these guys all of a sudden can't run block fantasy owners all over the world are checking the side of milk cartons for a picture of austin eckler this guy was a consensus number one uh, consensus first round draft pick and fantasy drafts drafts over across the universe across the fantasy universe this guy went in the first round in every fantasy draft and he's been MIA all this whole season. But as far as I'm concerned, the Texans are a get-right game for the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers. All righty, all right. And that allows me to pick against the bias twice. Against the I'm bias. starting to feel better. Ah, man. All right. Cardinals at Panthers. Bias plus score 8.6 favors the Panthers. Very interesting game. Panthers get the bias. I like that. Uh, ooh, let's see. Well, I tell you this. Like I've said many times before, I love it when I see teams with balanced offensive attacks. And it distresses me when I see teams that are severely unbalanced. The Arizona, the Arizona defense just isn't strong enough to hold down the fort for an offense that's this unbalanced. They can't keep the defense off the field by running the ball consistently. They can't move the sticks. They can't run the clock. Their running game is almost null and void, and it makes no sense to me because they got James Conner. So I got to blame it on the offensive line. These guys 
I don't know if this air raid offense is good for these guys, for this offensive line. It may be their system. It may be the offense that their head coach wants to run, but I'm not sure that they have the offensive linemen to run an air raid offense. I really don't. They, they don't pass block well enough for Kyler Murray, who's already uh, kind of short to be thrown from the pocket. Okay. And they don't run block enough to give him the support he needs to eat up clock and sustain drives. I'm not sure this is a good system for them. I, I, I'm really, I just, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, he threw the ball a very troubling 58 times against the Rams. 58 passes by Kyler Murray is not a winning formula. He threw no touchdown passes. That's way too much of a burden for Kyler to bear. I already said last week, he's basically got this team on his shoulders, but that's way too much, man. 58 pass attempts, that's crazy. Now, when you talk about the Panthers, they do have a balanced attack. They finally put together a winning effort with Baker Mayfield, only throwing 25 passes, and they ran the ball 31 times uh, total. Uh, Bell Cal Christian McCaffrey handled 25 of those carries for 108 yards. I love Christian McCaffrey. I've been holding on to him and franchising him in my keeper leagues in fantasy, and he's finally paying off for me. Not with huge, gigantic numbers, but nice, consistent numbers week after week after week. Hope he stays healthy. Uh, the Panthers' D is obviously flawed, so it didn't hurt that the Saints suffered injuries to a lot of key players, and Jameis was playing with a bad back. That kind of helped the Panthers win that Saints game. But I'll tell you this, Cardinals got to make a long trip to Carolina. You know about that West Coast, East Coast thing, or is it the East Coast, West Coast thing? I always get mixed up. Either Coast, way, I don't like the Cardinals going into Carolina. I think I'm going to go with the Panthers. I think they're feeling that win. You know, it's interesting how much, you know, you talked about the uh, the Cardinals relative to their, you know, the lack of blocking, the lack of balance. The Cardinals are 13th in scoring, actually tied with Carolina at 20.7 points per game. Right. So yeah. think about that for a second, real quick, before you go further. We're talking about Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. They should yeah. not be tied. Okay. Well, the the uh, Carolina Panthers defensively are 12th. They're giving up 19.7 points per game. Arizona's 31st, giving up 29 points per game. Exactly. And that burden falls on Kyler's shoulders. That defensive burden falls on Kyler's yep. shoulders? Yes. Okay, explain that for me. Well, what I just said was the defense is being hampered because the Cardinals' offense is not balanced enough to hold on to the ball and sustain long drives. The Cardinals are basically a quick strike, big play offense, which means their defense is on the field quite a bit. They're suffering from that. When is... So yeah, both things they're work they're working against each other. Okay, all right. When's DeAndre coming back? Oh, week seven. 
Week seven? Okay. Still got a few a few weeks for that to happen. Yeah, a lot of people you going with the Panthers? Going with the Panthers. Going with the Panthers. <laughs> Patriots Packers. Get your peas on, baby, with the bias plus score, 8.6, favoring the Packers. <laughs> My audience is laughing at you. <laughs> Mac Jones did his part to keep the Patriots in the game versus the Ravens last weekend. But trying to go score for score with Lamar ended up he thrown, he ended up throwing three interceptions. And pulling and tearing his ankle up. <laughs> then he tore his ankle up right late in the game. And it's a high ankle sprain, which is not good. He could miss several weeks. It, Meanwhile, the pack comes home after a big win. Thought, he thought about running as fast mm -hmm. as Lamar and his ankle went out. <laughs> Just thinking about it, right? Just thinking about it. <laughs> well, you know, what are you going to do, poor guy? Uh, the pack comes home after a big road win in Tampa. The defense was able to hurry Tom Brady and got a good amount of sacks or got a good amount of hits on him. They sacked him three times. They recovered two Buccaneer fumbles, and Aaron Rodgers was a tidy 27 of 35 for 255 yards and two touchdowns. The pack is back, baby. Take them over the Patriots. All right, going with the bias. You can't help yourself. <sighs> Russell? I mean, we're talking about Brian Hoyer here, okay? <laughs> Brian Hoyer against a defense that just stifled Tom Brady. Come on. <laughs> he's been he's been watching Cooper Rush tapes, man. He's, okay. He's ready to go get him. Okay. <laughs> I need some ice. I wish I could get some ice. I wish somebody would give me some ice. I know. I want some more coffee, but it's getting late for all of that. Let's talk about the Broncos at the Raiders. That's an AFC West matchup with the bias plus score 7.9 favoring the Broncos because the Raiders just can't get it together. Uh, man, this this AFC West, yo, we couldn't wait for the season to start so we could see the AFC West go at each other, right? <laughs> oh, the AFC West. I'm talking about myself. Oh, the AFC West. Oh, my God. It's going to be the best division in football. Guess what? Broncos are stumbling. Raiders look like crap. Chargers can't get it together. Kansas City's defense isn't even strong, yet they could probably come out of this with everybody else just falling over themselves. This is crazy. Somebody's got to pick it up. Somebody's got to pick it up. Otherwise, just crown the Chiefs now and be done with it. Be done with it. <laughs> it's crazy, man. But I will say this. Denver's defense might have something to do with this before it's all over. So they played the Niners last weekend, and they didn't turn the ball over. Denver didn't turn the ball over at all. Meanwhile, the Niners turned it over three times. So you know if you lose the turnover battle, chances of winning get kind of slim. The Broncos also sacked Jimmy Garoppolo four times. Again, not a good recipe for winning. It was a tough defensive battle, uh, but the Broncos' defense was quietly – oh, wait, no, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. If you look back at the past games, the Broncos' defense has quietly only given up 36 points so far this season in three games. 
Averaging twelve per game. Exactly. For second place defensively. Exactly. And everybody's fretting over Russell Wilson. Everybody's focused on their offense. That's that's an issue, but that's an issue that may be fixable. What's keeping them afloat is that defense. They're really playing well. Uh, and they played a big part in the Broncos' grinded-out win last week. But the Raiders are 0-3. They are officially in trouble. They don't seem to be able to put a complete game together. They get off to a good start, but they can't hold on. They get off to a slow start, they can't finish. They have untimely turnovers and penalties, yada, yada, yada. People are starting to look at Josh McDaniel as not being head coach material. Obviously, a really good offensive coordinator with all his days back with Brady and the Patriots. And even after Brady left, he still kind of showed that he could put an offense together. But as a head coach, I don't know. This thing ain't working out real well in Vegas for him. Um, obviously, I'm going to go with the Broncos. Going with the Broncos, going with the bias plus. Chiefs at Buccaneers. Another potential intriguing game for me, especially with a bias plus score of only 1.9. Yeah, this is the Sunday night game. But it favors the Buccaneers. And, oh, by the way, I think we neglected to mention that uh, <clears throat> the Sunday game kicks off in England. Oh, yeah, uh, right what there? game is that? Uh, let me see here. Yeah, people out there. Minnesota, New Orleans, 9.30 a.m., baby. Okay, so people out there to play fantasy, make sure you get your lineups done Saturday night. First game of the week starts at 9.30 in the morning, so you want your lineups to be in. Otherwise, you won't be able to switch your players around. Okay. That's important. That's important. Um, let me see. Back to the Chiefs and Buccaneers. Chiefs and Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers get the bias, uh, as they should. Uh, before the season started, this was a game that folks were looking forward to. It was considered by many to be a possible Super Bowl preview. Okay, by me too. At the end of the third quarter, the Chiefs held a 17-13 lead against the Colts but they failed to ever score again. This is against the Colts, okay? Their suspect defense failed to stop Matt Ryan on a 16-play, eight-and-a-half-minute, 76-yard scoring drive. Good job, Matt Ryan. Good job, Colts, okay? Then, on the Chiefs' final chance to win the game, Mahomes threw an interception. Not good. I'm not saying they're falling apart. I'm just saying not good. Okay. The Bucks also coming off a loss have been working severely shorthanded for the last couple of weeks, in fact, because of injuries. No doubt the Green Bay defense did a good job against Brady, but he was forced to rely on guys like Russell Gage, who I talked bad about last week when I was talking to you on the phone, by the way. I really shouldn't have done that. Russell Gage. It does not stink. Russell Gage is a good player. 
they got him from the Falcons. But they had to depend on Russell Gage, Rashad Perriman, Scotty Miller, and even Cole Beasley. And no disrespect to those guys who are all NFL players, but they're not Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Gronk. They're just not. Okay? So Evans comes back this week. And just before we started the show, I heard that um, Godwin actually got a limited practice in today. So I'm going to keep an eye out for Godwin and see how he does in his practice sessions tomorrow, which is Thursday, and also on Friday. If he's able to practice in full on Friday, Godwin might be back, as well as Mike Evans coming off of his suspension, which would be great for the Bucs. But guess what? Even if they don't, I'm taking the Bucs to beat the Chiefs. Going with the bias again, eh? Yes. All righty, all righty. Hey, look, you know, um, when I when I looked at these two teams, and again, only 1.9 uh, separates these these two teams. Right. And, you know, Tampa Bay uh, came into this, uh, where are they at here? Third and net points at plus eight. Kansas City is fifth. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay is fourth at plus eight. Kansas City is fifth at plus 7.7. Okay. So just a hair better on the net point side. Bigger um, differential, however, on the turnover margin side where Tampa Bay is third at plus 1.3 and Kansas City is rolling in at 20th at minus 0.3. 20th. With a quarterback that's pretty good at holding on to the ball, a team that doesn't commit a lot of turnovers, but a defense that hardly gets any. All right. We're going to pause the show for an announcement. One's bad news, one's good news. Which one first? Give me the bad news first. The bad news. The rapper who won a Grammy for the hit Gangsta's Paradise, Coolio, has died at age 69. Oh, really? Yeah, Coolio. Oh, Coolio. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. What's that say? 59. Young guy. What's the good news? Aaron Judge hits his 61st home run. (laughs) Oh, I missed it and I got it on, but I'm so busy. I wasn't paying attention. All right. (laughs) <laughs> Yankees. <laughs> so, yeah, baby. Oh my god. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Yankees. Congratulations, Aaron Judge, who is the Lamar Jackson of baseball. baseball. <laughs> Refused to negotiate his new contract during the course of the season, bet on himself, and just broke records. Pay the man. man. Pay the man. There you go. There you go. All right. Moving right along here from our announcements. This is my intriguing game. I do believe this is Monday night. This is my intriguing game because you can't take the Niners, but I can. Yes, you can. Okay, tell me about it. Who's got the bias? Oh, I'm sorry. You don't see it? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. L.A. Rams at San Francisco 49ers buys plus score six favors the Niners. Okay. Got to love it. I'm scared of it. I am completely petrified of that. Well, the Rams handled the Cardinals last weekend. 
And now they look to establish themselves as the best in the NFC West. With a win over the reeling Niners, the reeling Niners, after that tough, tough loss to Denver, who are coming off of a defensive battle with Denver. Yeah, Denver, a really good defense that's been quietly stopping people. It seems like the Niners just didn't see it coming to me. I'll tell you the truth. And again, I'm going to give Jimmy G uh, a chance to get the rust off. Um, the Rams finally got their running game somewhat cranked up. Uh, and basically, I'm just saying that because they finally got Cam Akers going. They had the force feeding. Uh, I don't know if that proves anything. Um, they've pretty much been relying on Stafford and Cooper Cup. And Allen Robinson's been coming around lately uh, to kind of carry them. But the Cardinals defense doesn't compare to, to that of the Niners. I don't think that the Rams are going to have success against the Niners D, which should be enough for Jimmy G to get it done. Obviously, he's going to have to play better than he did last week against Denver, where he personally turned the ball over twice. But I believe that he will play better. I'm taking the 49ers at home against the Rams. Again, going with the bias. So I think me and the bias are going to make a big turnaround in week four. Be nice. Be nice. It uh, would be nice. For all, for all of this to happen, um, I, I I have to question, are, that with the Niners having lo lost Mike McDaniel as offensive coordinator, who worked so well with Jimmy, now you got a different offensive coordinator who came in prepared to run a different system bring Jimmy in now and I think uh it just it might take a moment for them to kind of get this act together and realize what Jimmy can do within the system or change the system adjust to it um I think again you got to utilize Kittle as a receiver you got to make him dictate coverages that's something that, that has been missing big time it, it it doesn't even look like they're trying to get him into the game. It's it, I don't understand it. And then you, I don't either. And then um, you're going to beat Debo up if you keep trying to run him at, at, as a back. I believe you. I believe just from again. I know you don't. You know Madden looking at the depth chart. They can run the ball. Your, your running game is precipitated by your line. Now our line ain't that great, but especially now that we've lost our le left tackle, Trent Williams, that's going to be a big hit. True. Uh, so we'll have to see how we handle uh, Aaron Donald without uh, without our superstar in there. But that's why all that motion and, and all of that stuff happens. You still got use check, you got Kittle, you got good receivers, you got speed if you go down the line. And I think, I don't know um, – I guess Elijah's out, and now it's the the other young man. Yeah, uh, Wilson's been playing well, though. He's been playing well, and you can play with him. And and so, yeah, I think that that they can that you know if they stick to the knitting, run the ball, uh, and, and work within what um, Garoppolo can do, then they can win this game. So we'll see. All right, I, I, losing McDaniel's is probably the biggest thing about that. Probably is. He's the kind of offensive coordinator, uh, and you hear this a lot about uh, quarterback coaches 
that the quarterback really feels comfortable with. It may not necessarily be the play calling as opposed to the quarterback just feels it's 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 like uh it's like this particular guy puts him in a comfort zone. It's like his little favorite blankie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a guy they calm the guy, the quarterback's nerves. And him being not not being there could be a little bit of an issue. But Shanahan's got to be smarter than that. He has weapons that he has not used yet. Weapons that we've seen him use in the past. He could use use check more. He hasn't used Kittle hardly at all. It's crazy. It's unbelievable to me when I'm watching them that they're not trying to get the ball to him. Maybe he's not 100% healthy. I don't know what it could be. But Shanahan needs to actually wake up and start diversifying his passing game. Okay, the run game is about as good as it's going to get, all right? And as long as they stick to it and it stays solid, they'll be fine with that. They want to establish that first before they start throwing the ball over all over the yard. That's fine with me. But once you know you want to go to the air, you have to use every weapon that you have, and they haven't done that. They're really just starting to get the ball to, to Ayuk. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. crazy. And like I said, the fastest guy, one of the fastest guys out there is Gray. You wouldn't even know he was on the team. You know? That's so. that's probably an issue with route running. Could be. Could be. All right. So going with the Niners, yes, which sir. wraps up the week for us, doesn't it, Benny? Yep, that's it. Except for one last item. And what would that be? The bias plus buster of the week for week three. Oh, this was obvious. The Colts. I could have guessed this one. <laughs> With an unfavorable bias score of 27. Sheesh. So you only need what, a, a net win of plus three to have the biggest bias plus score of 30 for the week. So, guys. That was a big win. They were heavy underdogs at home. Big underdogs. Got it done. <laughs> Shot the monkey. Yeah, had had um Mahomes and his offensive coordinator barking at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Oh, two interesting things. And I know you talked about some stuff at the beginning of the of, of the show that you said you were going to get into later. I hope I'm not stepping on your feet. I can't remember it. No, go ahead. We, we're, we're finished with that part. We're moving but, into but miscellaneous. Two things. Um, I, I, I'm watching the game, and I'm seeing Mahomes and uh, Biennemi kind of going at it. And then, obviously, he was going to get asked after the game in the post-game conference, what was that all about? And Mahomes gave the old uh, – you know me, I'm super competitive. I wanted to go for it. I thought we could blah, 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 right? Okay, first of all, the down distance situation did not call for that. That was ridiculous to want to go for that. Really? That was goofy, okay? And when enemy told him it was goofy, he didn't like it. That's what That was the back and forth. So it didn't go down the way that Mahomes said it went down. I wanted to go for it. He was saying... 
that he just wanted to go in, scratch it. We go in halftime, figure it out, come back second half. No, it wasn't that simple. He told him, bro, that makes no sense at all. I've had those conversations in flag football games <laughs> with players that are overzealous about going for it. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes it just don't make sense. Okay. And uh, Andy Reid had to step between them. It wasn't going to stop. So there's no way it could have been as simple as Mahomes explained it. Yeah. Uh, oh, and this, know, he the played, second he thing. Good, he played the good soldier. He did, he, he did what, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, you don't throw your coach under the bus. No doubt about that. I'm cool with that. Okay. But for the reporters to think that that's what really happened. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right. Whatever you say. Same thing with um, Tua. Okay, they tried to say that Tua was wobbly from a back injury and not a head injury. If you watch that, not only did you see his head hit the ground, but when he stood up and started to try to get back to the huddle, he got spaghetti legged. Okay, I've been there. That's not fun. Okay. You lose all control. That's like you just took a punch on the chin, buddy, and you, you, you're just not right. Now, they claim that his back stiffened. He had a slight back injury, then sat on the bench while the defense was on the field for a long time. His back tightened up, and he made his legs feel funny. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. He was concussed. There's no doubt about it. He was concussed. They took him in at halftime. They snapped him out of it. He supposedly passed all the protocols at halftime that would allow him to come back on the field and play, and he came back on the field. If you go back and look at that game in the second half, he didn't do a whole lot, but they, he did just enough to get him through. The Dolphin defense did the rest, but he, he was not the same guy from the first half to the second half. He was concussed, so they lied. All right. Now, because they lied, he may not have to go through concussion protocols during this week and he may play. And I don't think that's a good idea. The NFLPA is kind of on this. A lot of people are saying he should have never been allowed to come back into that game. Okay. And when he, when he got up, after he fell and hit his head, when he got up, he didn't grab his back. He didn't go, oh, my back. Oh, wait. Oh, my legs. He, he thought he was cool, till, which is exactly what happens when you're concussed. You think you're okay until you can't control your body. So that was just two things I saw that I, I wanted to bring up. All right. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's run through social media real quick, Benny, and then we're going to wrap this puppy up. You ready? Let's start with the Broncos because again, uh, they've been you know getting their act together. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett hires Jerry Rosberg to help with game management. So this was a team that was having some serious problems, you know, with on-field game management questions about whether or not to go with it with Russ and all of that kind of stuff. Same question, kind of, you know, situation almost like with um, Mahomes there, but uh, I think. Um, most people thought that he should have gave Russ an opportunity. 
but um, he was trying to handle a lot of stuff, and he has a lot of rookies. We talked about early on when we talked about the the, the brain trust. We said, man, all these guys are so young and so inexperienced. Russell's going to love this because they're all going to have to be open to what he says, and he's going to have a lot of big inputs. Uh, it's not working out <laughs> that great, but he went and he said, okay, we have a problem, and he made a hire. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this at all, but I did want to mention it. If you uh, recognize the problem and he tried to solve it, you got to give him credit for that. Well, yeah, I, I got to give him credit for that. Um, and And I think this was probably something that, he and the organization kind of agreed on. I'm not exactly sure whose idea it was, but they obviously agreed on it. Um, it's a step in the right direction, but he's not the first guy to have trouble uh, managing a game. Mike McCarthy still does it. Andy Reid had the same problem. There's several other head coaches that have had the same problem. So it's nothing for him to be super embarrassed about. This is his first time being a head coach. These kind of things are going to happen. What's paramount for the Broncos is that Russell gets himself together and starts making a better connection with those receivers because their run game is solid. Their defense is solid. It's about Russell getting the ball downfield when he needs to and hitting receivers. All righty. It's about Russell getting his act together. So, Benny, <laughs> does Brady need Gronk to win? Now, you know, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I said that Gronk is his, what, his his security blanket. He was the, He's that guy that you could go to in a pinch and know that for the most part he's going to win. I'm starting to wonder about um, Lamar and what's his tight end's name? Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, man. Mark Andrews, just him and him, him and Lamar have a thing going on, man. You know, and, and that's a nice place to nice place for Lamar to go when things get a bit dicey. And I think Lamar's recognized that and it's helped his numbers a lot. You know, so him and Mark Andrews are, uh, you know, together. But um, I saw another article and it was really funny because they were basically postulating that had Gronk been healthy when the Patriots played the Giants for that Super Bowl, Patriot. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes, they did. Did they, he play? The pot. He he was injured. They said he played. He was pretty much ineffective. Did he play? Hey, I said he did. Okay. I, he did. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I knew you didn't. Hey, Benny. The Pro Bowl. They finally doing some with that piece of junk game. Getting rid of it. How long we've been talking about that stinky Pro Bowl? Yeah, but you know what? We never really came up with any solutions. I know you thought about it. I didn't I didn't spend much brain power on it. If they're going to have a flag football game, I guess that might be a little fun to watch. Not if they play in those same NFL rules that them other guys play where you catch everybody catch the ball, everybody got stand. What do you think they're gonna do? They're not gonna what? Oh that's exactly God. what they're gonna do. I can't imagine. I can see us now. The Pro Bowl with the tackle is bad enough. But really to have the little fake flag. 
You know, if you're not even gonna give it to no, me. No, it's 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 non-contact flag. That's, That's what it is. is. That's what it is. So why at, even at them? least guys will be able to actually use their skill sets. Okay, and it basically takes all the linemen out of it. I know. So that's big guys. Anywho. You know me. I wanted to make it a big money game, make it after the season, make it a spectacle. They're not going to do that. So No way. Uh, the skills competition about, might be fun. Could be. Could be. Could be. We talked a little bit about you losing your wide receiver, one of your top performing wide receivers. Just quickly, Benny. I mean, he's literally – running down the field and it doesn't look like anything happened. I mean, what could have happened that could have done his knee in like that, just in that casual jog across a turf field. It was just, it, it's just weird. His foot got caught. It didn't look like it. I mean, really, it, it didn't look like it, but that's what everybody's saying. You, your man Beckham weighed in here. You know, do you think that do you think the NFL should go to all grass, just make it a grass league? <laughs> well, it's not like people don't get hurt on grass, too. But uh, the problem with turf fields is you run differently, but people forget they have to throttle down a little differently. He was actually finishing up a route. The play was over, and he was slowing down. And it's almost like he dragged his foot a little bit. It stuck just for a fraction of a second, and his ACL popped. What are you going to do? I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. The conditions of a grass field can cause the same thing if they're not exactly right. Just because you're on grass doesn't necessarily mean that your foot can't get stuck. Okay, so you're kind of you're kind of not on the all grass thing, as far as no, you're concerned. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that was the question. That was the question. All right, Benny. Jackson State plays in the FCS in the Heisman Trophy. Has never been awarded to a player at that level, but former swag quarterback Doug Williams, Grambling. State and State McNair, Alcorn State received Heisman votes in the 1970s and 1990s, respectively. This article is about Shador Sanders, and what Dion is saying is that he should be, his numbers should put him up for the Heisman. They should be talking to him about a Heisman just like they're talking to all of the other players. I put something in, here it is. This is the graphic. See if I can make this a little bit larger so we can all see it. But uh, let's see. Boom, 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 boom. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. So Shador Sanders, 1,351 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception. Bryce Young, 1,029 yards, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. C.J. Stroud, 1,222 yards, 16 touchdowns. So yards-wise, he's ahead of Bryce and C.J. 
touchdown wise, he's right in between them. Uh, he's got one less interception than Bryce. What do you think about Shador getting some Heisman love? Well, it's never too early to start a Heisman campaign for uh, a college player if if the school actually believes in him and wants to push him. So that's all good, okay? Um, he'll probably get some votes just like Steve McNair did but there's no way he's going to win it. There's just no way. The first thing they're going to point at is the competition that he's playing against. Okay. He's going up against teams that some of these division one teams underpay to come play them so that they can kill him. Okay. This kind of conversation runs into that other conversation that we had about HBCUs going to play Alabama's and LSU's and teams like that so that they can collect money and get their butts kicked. Yeah, a couple um, couple of those games that were the teams that got paid went in there and won in the last couple of weeks. What, what, uh, you're not so the Dame lost to, to the team they, they played? Oh, that's Appalachian State. Appalachian State ain't no joke. <laughs> They should have known better. They should have known better. They earned that money. No, I don't think that was Appalachian State. Do they wear green? They're no, Marshall, Marshall. Marshall. Marshall's good. They paid Marshall. Yeah, they paid Marshall, and they should. And and they're sorry. And they're sorry. Marshall's no joke. Marshall's good. But you know what? I commend Notre Dame for paying Marshall rather than paying FAMU. Okay, a better competition. They pay better competition, and they end up losing the game, and I'm sure they thought they were going to win it. Marshall's no joke. Marshall's good all the time. Let's remember, Randy Moss went to Marshall. Chad Pennington was his quarterback. Okay, these are NFL guys. Marshall's no joke. And Appalachian State's no joke either. Appalachian State's been good for the last three years that I can vividly remember. Okay. So, right. yeah, those I'm talking about sure wins. I'm talking about teams that just can't. They can't come. You know why those teams can't compete? They can't compete on the line of scrimmage. Skill right. player-wise, yeah. But line of scrimmage-wise, they just can't compete. They just don't get the guys with enough size and power to compete with those Division One schools. Well, that's that's what that's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, well, that wraps it up for me, Benny. We had a pretty good session here. Any last words? I'm done. Go nose. Go nose.